Yo, 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 yo. This is Rob Cruz on Jamboree Radio. Why the beep should I care? And I don't even think it's that they are are trying to be inhumane to a person trying to come to America because they want to make more money. They're more upset because, hey, we've been trying to get this old building to be used for three years now for after school sports. And and like you said, Americans first. And then, then strangers come in and you give it to them immediately government officials and the people in charge, the leadership in charge, supposed leadership in charge, that sit here and say, hey, if you just cross the border, we'll roll out the red carpet for you. We'll give you free health care. We'll give you schooling. We'll give you citizenship by doing it the wrong way. We have our own issues in this country and people are very are acutely aware of our own issues and this feeling of demise in our own country, that the country many of us grew up in is far removed from the country we're now walking around in. Immigration has become a civil rights movement, so to speak, of the 21st century. So many stories, and we all come from immigrants who left oppressive, lacking economic situations. So, you know, to start, I want to tell a story. Recently, I went to a concert with my wife in the Pilsen neighborhood, and we stopped to eat right down the street at a little taco place off of Halstead. And a friend of ours, he's working there. We got to catch up with him and and talk. He's a server, a great guy. He was telling me how upset he is about how immigrants are being and refugees are being treated right now in Chicago. And I said, why would you be upset? Aren't, aren't you, you know, don't you feel like you identify or, or have some a lot in common? And his answer really startled me. And actually, I was pretty impressed. He's been trying to gain refugee slash citizenship for 11 years. He's worked double shifts that whole time that he's been here trying to earn his citizenship, trying to earn his place in the American fabric. And he said for these cochinos to come in and get refugee status, resources, and get put on a pedestal or become a priority is a simple slap in the face to guys like him who have been busting their humps for 11 years, not getting in trouble, working, paying taxes, working in the entertainment, food industry spaces, had to go through COVID where he was unsure what was going to happen to his financial life. And it, and it, and it dawned on me. We've, we've polarized immigration to a Republican-Democrat issue. And we've forgotten what it is to be an American and what it means for the American system to fail those who lived by its rules and earn their spots here. For starters, I'll take a look at my own and, and, and in the mirror. You know, Republicans have a slanted view on immigrants coming in and quote unquote taking the jobs of American people. Just the other day, I was listening to Dennis Prager as I was driving around doing my own job. And Dennis was describing that he was having some work done to his home after all the storm damage, landscaping, and irrigation systems so that his flooding can be minimized. Hadn't heard from the contractor in three weeks. So he called him up and he said, what's going on? The response was, E-Verify has killed the labor force. 
We can't get anything done. And we've posted wanted ads for jobs, but nobody's calling. And I kind of smiled and shook my head and said, oh, we know we often say, oh, you people keep voting Democrat and, and, and you're going to get what you deserve. Oh, isn't that true when it comes to immigration? And we can't get the services, you know, in the construction industry especially, we can't get some of these things completed without the help of immigrants. I guess we do get what we deserve. And it thought, man, this is the perfect time for Republicans to take a step back, move their point of view, address that people want to come here and they want to work and allow them to do so without all the, the circus that comes with it. Because you're in a legal alien. Well, it just means you're not an American citizen yet. If we can champion that effort like we did to end slavery, like we did to end women's suffrage, then we would be back on top again like we did after we did those things. But right now, the progressives have figured out a way to let them in, push out their agendas, and tax us for it. My first guest on this subject was former congressional candidate, entrepreneur, and new friend, Catalina Lauf. One of the things that has really pushed to the forefront of the news cycles and, and, and everyday life, really, is all these, you know, the immigration issue. It's the chickens have finally come home to roost because an administration like Biden's has decided we're going to try this everybody's an asylum seeker method and you can walk right in under the current rules of the southern border and wait a year to get to get your citizenship so you know me and you both being from hispanic descent you, your your family's more south south american right uh, yeah central. central okay and um and mine coming from mexico and puerto rico you know want to ask a little bit about what, what was the story of of the lauf family migration. So Lauf is um, my, my father. Yeah, well, that's your dad. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, I'm a half C, proud half C. Uh, my father's family came What's from your mom's maiden name? Um, Lechuga. Lechu okay. What's the Lechuga story? That is, my mom came from Guatemala. So she is uh, first generation. She and my grandmother and her siblings came here in the 1980s. But uh, my grandmother, to just go back a little bit, she uh, worked on a coffee bean farm at eight years old and worked her entire life after that. So things like education, what a typical third grader would have done, uh, she had to work. And she was able from there to kind of build up um, a little bit of wealth and a little bit of uh, something, resources to ultimately, you know, her goal was always to come to the United States and the land of opportunity. And so my mother, um, when she was around you know, 18, 19 years old, uh, she came to the United States and, you know, would visit every now and then until ultimately she wanted to work here. And so she did it the right way and, and found a way to um, get a work visa and then ultimately was sponsored by her employer uh, because she was such an exceptional employee. And uh, that's, you know, worked three jobs, learned English at night, just took every opportunity possible. And she was just so fortunate that she even had the opportunity to live and, and work in the United States, but ultimately did it because she's <laughs> did it the right way because she's a law abiding citizen. And unfortunately, now there's no incentive for people who come here across the border to do it correctly, because the rhetoric that the president of the United States and even presidents before him have 
they have made it easy for them to just go across the border, do it illegally, uh, because they don't think that they're ever going to be punished. And, you know, that's a real, it's really insulting to people like in my family who worked really hard. They saved up a ton of money. I mean, this was like their life savings to come here and, and do the process correctly. And so when you see people that are, are doing it and then ultimately all the crime, everything that happens when you do allow a lawlessness at the border, uh, it, it really is personal to families like ours who who did it correctly and that wanted to do it correctly. Yeah. And and saying that like my wife's father did the same exact thing. Uh, my grandmother did the same exact type of thing, you know, did the work visas and, and got the sponsorships for citizenships. What do you think people like, like, I, I know what my father-in-law thinks, right? What does your mom think about these guys? And, and, and really, my father-in-law says it this way. You know, I understand that they want to come here. And I understand that the rules are different. But why are they getting all this damn money? Because I didn't get anything. You know, I had to work and do stuff and 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 try to make ends meet until I got it figured out. What does your mom think about this? The same thing. You know, it's sad when she has gone to Guatemala and has seen organizations essentially pay kids to go and do things like the caravan and just go do basically all that propaganda that comes from the media that these kids are, you know, suffering and stuff like that. Don't get me wrong. These countries are very impoverished. And I understand why people want to come here. You know, they have they come from corrupt governments and things are not great in these countries. I understand that. But, you know, to people like my mom, she immigrated here during the the height of the Civil War in Guatemala, where the government was killing its own people. She's like, I was able to do it correctly under those circumstances. Things are bad, but they're not as bad as they have been in the last, you know, 20 years. And so, again, it's insulting. But she's also more upset with the government officials and the people in charge, the leadership in charge, supposed leadership in charge that sit here and say, Hey, if you just cross the border, we'll roll out the red carpet for you. We'll give you free health care. We'll give you schooling. We'll give you citizenship by doing it the wrong way. And I think that sends a strong message when your leadership in your own country, in this country, is saying that to people at the border, that you're not going to get in trouble and that we are going to roll out the red carpet for you. What what person trying to find hope or trying to find a difference wouldn't want to buy into something like that? And, and I, I don't blame them. I think even your mom and my father-in-law and my grandma, I think if you asked them a point blank question, hey, would you do what these people are doing right now? The answer would be yes, right? I, no, I would say no, only because my I don't know how it is in Mexico, but in Guatemala, like everybody's very mistrust. Nobody trusts the government in general. And so even my mom will be like, how do these people even trust, you know, the people even in the United States to say those things? So I don't think they would. I think at the end of the day, like our families are law abiding citizens. And if you, again, I get it. If they were told that you weren't going to get in trouble or whatever. Right. Would they, would they do it? And then they were told they're going to get 7,000 a month for the first six months. I think my father-in-law would be like, yeah, I think I would do that. Like, I don't, I don't blame them. I don't trust anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's true too. You know, and, and so can Republicans capitalize on this? Yes, if they a do it correctly and b have the right messengers for it, right? I think for so long, the people in office, you know, taking off my politician candidate hat and just being an average voter, Republican, being an average Republican voter, it's very frustrating when you have people in elected office that can change these things but refuse to. 
You know, Republicans had a huge opportunity to change these things, you know, decades ago, and they still didn't. And a lot of it has to do with messaging, too. I think that if we prioritized and made it about crime and lawlessness and that, look, our country is suffering because we have open borders. We have a huge problem with drugs, the cartels, uh, weapons being, you know, funneled across, whatever it might be, the the sex trafficking, the labor trafficking. There's a huge problem when we, when we don't enforce the law and we don't have a, bo- a very clear border. And so many Republicans cower down to the left's narrative that if we don't want people here or Republicans don't want people here because they they claim that, you know, they use racism and they call us every ism possible, when in reality, we're just trying to make our people safe and we're trying to put our country first. And if we had the right people and the right messengers we could see a change in these policies. And to be very, uh, very strict when it comes to our border. I've talked to Border Patrol agents, and they're like, we don't have the resources, we don't have the support of our own people, or of, of our own government to help us out here. And that's heartbreaking. You know, when they're seeing what they're seeing every single day, it's much worse than what the average American, what we see, because the media is never going to report the realities of it. No, I agree. And and to a certain extent too, right? It's it's resources. When I so we had recently we had uh Vivek Ramaswamy here, and I got called in to ask to help put on the event. And he came to the south side of Chicago because there was been, if you've probably seen it on the news, they fill up these gyms with the residents and they 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 say their piece about what they think about the immigration. And and I don't even think it's that they are are trying to be inhumane to a person trying to come to America because they want to make more money. They're more upset because, hey, we've been trying to get this old building to be used for three years now for after school sports and and like you said, Americans first. And then then strangers come in and you give it to them immediately. And then resources at the border. You know, I've heard people say, why don't we spend a hundred billion dollars in our country on the border, right? To try to to defend ourselves to a certain extent instead of investing it in an, in a foreign war that really doesn't impact our daily lives. Let's call let's be honest. It doesn't impact What's happening here, what's impacting us is people coming across the border. So I think it's about, I wrote an article in, a, in an op-ed called, show me the money. That's what this is about, right? It's about the money. We're, we're spending money on people that aren't part of our team and aren't part of our group. And I would like to see Republicans start talking more about the money aspect of it, saying things like, it's our jobs to, to shave money off of your budget and find ways to get you to make more not spend more and make less because that's what people are doing right now. They're spending more and they're making less. And then they see somebody coming from overseas or across the border who has, you know, really no vested interest and is walking around with new phones, new shoes, new, new clothes. And they've been struggling for 20 years. We need immigration to a certain extent because we have to have immigrate. Our, our job economy is built on immigration job, then education, then middle management, then entrepreneur, then corporate, you know, entity. What do you say to people when when they say we don't need these people? Do you think they're wrong? Absolutely. And I think the majority of Republicans would also agree with them too. You know, in this district, for example, we had a lot of farmers, a lot of small business owners. We had, you know, restaurateurs, whoever it was, and they would all say, my business, our business, nothing would be possible without immigrants who are working here or people who, again, they're the hardest workers. 
you know, a lot of Republicans actually really support illegal immigration, especially when it comes to the economy. And I remember speaking with somebody and he's like, the proudest moment was when I had an employee who had been with me for 25 years. And then he left me to go start his own company because he was able to grow and was able, that was the American dream. And he's like, I was so proud of him for doing that, that he would, he had upward mobility in his career um, because he came here because I believed in him. Those are stories that it's people don't ever hear about. Everybody always just says Republicans are this and that, right? I think the majority of Americans, when it, to talk about your tax thing as well, would actually support putting money into our own border instead of sending it to a place like Ukraine. You know, our elected officials have a constitutional duty to protect you and to make sure that you can live, breathe, and thrive without being worried about things like safety and, and things like that or, or not have a feeling of being safe. And so I think a lot of people would support that, both Republicans and Democrats, to have a more secure border. But they're just not prioritizing that, our elected officials right now. And and I think from a perspective as a voter, too, it's, you know, making the investment in a southern border while changing how the criteria works to be a legal citizen of the United States or a person here. Cause really what we're asking is we want to know who you are. If, you know, if we, if we, if there was a form that said, tell us who you are, that would be the form that we really want because we still want people coming over here and not knowing who they are. Right. Cause they could be dangerous people. They could be psychopaths. They could have mental health issues, things of that nature. So if we were to go in and, and cause our, our immigration system is probably 50 years old, 60 years old, you know, I think every every 50, 60 years, I do think that rules on the books need to be chopped up for modern times as we experience different things. So I always thought the work visa to citizenship sponsor should be its own program where you get two years, two years, you've paid your tax that time, you never got a, a ticket, you know, like a crime, a felony or anything like that. Boom, you take the test, you're a citizen in three years and it doesn't cost you 20 grand in court. To become yeah. a citizen. What what do you what are some ideas you think that we could do to improve that? I think that plus making that the priority, prioritizing those individuals who want to be productive American citizens, who want to be a part of and assimilate uh here in the United States, prioritize them, make it easier for them who again want to be productive instead of prioritizing the people who again are doing this illegally. And so I think right now it's so backwards at the border and they're not prioritizing the people that want to do it correctly. They're prioritizing, again, the criminals and the people that are doing it the sketchy way and and whatnot. Um, And that's not correct. You know, double down on, first of all, the border, the safety and security, but then prioritize the people who want to be productive citizens. For the perspective of the black community, I had former Pennsylvania senatorial candidate Kathy Barnett on to discuss the impact immigration is having in the Black community. For people who don't know you in this area, can you give us a little background about who Kathy Barnett is? Oh my goodness. You know, whenever someone asks me that question, I really don't know where to jump in with my story. It's like most of us, you know, there's a journey associated with where we find ourselves in this exact moment. For me, um, the start is was on a little pig farm in southern Alabama, grew up in a home with no insulation, no running water, an outhouse in the back and a well on the side. We were so poor, we couldn't afford the other O, I often tell people. We were just po. We weren't poor, we were po. 
<laughs> That's how poor we were. <laughs> but even in that, you know, um, you know, I'm always comparing and contrasting because I'm a long way removed from that little that little black girl, you know, walking up to that one stop sign that was the the mailbox with my little pigtails. I'm a long way removed from that by the grace of God. Um, and and now I have my own children and I'm always comparing and contrasting the environment in which I grew up in versus the one that they're growing up in. And I try so hard, although we were poor, we were rich in so many other ways. Yeah. Um, no one ever called me a victim. I don't recall one time anyone looking at me as a child and calling me a victim. I don't remember anyone saying, Kathy, you're black, you're poor. You're a woman. You might as well give it up, kid. No one ever said that to me. And so I didn't grow up with these chains, that particular chain around my my mind and my opportunities or what I saw to be my opportunities in life. And as a result, became the first in my family to grow up um, and finish or the first in my family to go and finish college. Spent 10 years in the military, um, uh, the U.S. Army, uh, where I was accepted into officer candidate school. Uh, spent time in the financial industry, corporate America, adjunct professor of corporate finance, authored my first book, which you see right here, yeah, <laughs> that went number one on Amazon. Okay. Absolutely. And uh, as you said, was with, um, I ran a very competitive senatorial race last year in 2022 against Dr. Oz here in the state of Pennsylvania in the Republican primary. And now I find myself as the national grassroots director for Vivek Ramaswamy's presidential campaign. So a long journey, a lot of twists and turns uh, in that journey, but here I am. Okay. Well, you know, kind of, and I, I met you um, when Vivek came to Chicago, which I thought a lot of people at first maybe thought he was doing it just to jump on the irons while they were hot. But when I met him, I didn't think he did that. I don't think that was his mission or his purpose. I think he really wanted to come and see if there's a market there. That kind of leads me to my next question. What are you guys seeing as you go around from inner city to inner city, black and Hispanic folks and white folks? What are they saying when they come and hear you guys and talk about things like immigration? Yeah. Overall, I am seeing a lot of despair. I am seeing human misery like I have never seen it before. And I was in the military. I traveled to third world countries. I've gone into places that are worse than third world countries. Uh, you know, I just, I, I brought Vivek there to the South side of Chicago uh, with you and others. And maybe a couple of weeks ago, I brought him into Kensington, just human misery on a level I have never experienced before. And it's just heartbreaking. But I'm also seeing, even in those dark spots, whether it's on the south side of Chicago, whether it's in Kensington, whether it's in one of the wealthiest parts of the nation, I'm seeing hope as well. I'm seeing people who are earnestly looking for something real, for something authentic. They're looking for it. They're desperate for it. They, I, I see people who are empty. I see people who are looking for something real to fill that void uh, that they find inside of them and what they want to do. And so, and I think that that creates a wonderful opportunity for someone like Vivek, who is not a career politician, uh, spitballing, but here he comes forward with new ideas, 
bold ideas, the very thing that most of us are thinking, he's saying it out loud. And hence the reason why you see him now, you know, we had the last two polls have shown him in a solid third position. Uh, we went from zero in these polls four months ago. So from four months going from zero to third place and now double digits, <laughs> that is amazing. But I think it's really a testament to the people. They they hear, they, they're recognizing real when they hear it. You know, one thing that you just kind of said that the trigger or sparked a little bit of, of, of memory was when he talked, when I remember that first woman asked him about reparations and his response was, well, let's Let's take existing inflated budgets and chop them down to get more competitive and efficient and take those remaining items and reinvest them in the community centers. And that's when I felt the room turned. I was watching the faces. I was standing kind of on the side of the stage and I'm looking back and the rooms turn, the faces turned because it, it feels like to me as I've gone in Chicago and other places, it's about the money. These foreigners are getting money over American veterans, homeless people people who have been struggling, you know, generationally. And I think there's a little bit of animosity towards it. I think when you absolutely, get, you know, and, and if we're talking, you know, in this show, we're trying to get to like the dirty, dirty, so to speak, with a real issue. And I see a lot of people saying, well, why are they getting money? And we aren't. And so, so it leads to my next question. What solutions are you guys seeing other outside of Chicago where they're housing them and putting them up? What are, are other cities doing the same thing? What does it look like in places? Oh, absolutely. Whoa. Absolutely. This administration, this Democrat administration, um, and let me also say, I, you know, I, I recognize that Democrats cannot do half the stuff they're doing if Republicans weren't complicit. So although I may be using the word Democrats, I'm just, you know, I'm very aware that there are a large number of Republicans who sit in high places of authority who are complicit. And hence the reason why Democrats are being allowed to do it. Just in Chicago, if you remember, Rob, roughly $7,000 per illegal immigrant who's mm -hmm. coming into this country, they're getting roughly $7,000 in living expenses uh, per month. <laughs> Think about that, $7,000 yep. a month, plus a phone, plus shoes, plus a bicycle, that once they get checked in, they give them a bicycle. So now these people, we don't know who they are, we don't know where they're coming from. We don't know. We don't even know if they like us or not, but we're giving them a bicycle. So now that they can just kind of neander around in your community among your little boys and girls and your wives and your family, right? Mm -hmm. None of that makes any sense whatsoever. It is the dumbest thing that anyone could ever possibly think of. And yet Democrats are, are 10 toes down on this. You see them, there's been a collage of videos that has Nancy Pelosi and other uh, leading Democrat voices saying, we need these people to come in to pick our crops. Crops are going to die in the field if we don't have these people coming in and, and doing this work for us. So these people are 10 toes down. And what I'm sensing, what I'm seeing, not, you know, in the, in the South side of Chicago, whether in Kensington or anywhere else, we have our own issues in this country and people are very are acutely aware of our own issues and this feeling of demise in our own country that the country many of us grew up in 
is far removed from the country we're now walking around in, where you have little boys being chemically castrated or little girls being encouraged to cut off healthy breasts. And we're being told that's progress. I think most of us recognize whether we're talking about the opening of our border, the flooding of our border, the flooding of our borders with not just people and sex trafficking, but with fentanyl that is destroying our neighborhoods, or whether we're talking about this gender ideology cult that we find ourselves in right now, it just runs the gamut. It's not just one particular thing. It's, it's as if we're drinking water from a fire hydrant. So it's very difficult to say this is the hot topic that everyone is talking about. They're talking about a variety of things and all of it is very real, very palpable. And it's a growing unrest in our country among our own citizens. And, and it naturally leads someone like me to the question is when does the inner city resident of America, whether you're in Chicago, Philadelphia, New York, Los Angeles, where and when are the opportunities for another party like our Republican Party to kind of step in and provide the solutions? Or do we think we're not there yet? I don't know. I mean, that's a tall order. I am in the Republican Party primarily because I would never vote Democrat. <laughs> uh, I would never vote Democrat. And so, and we are a two-party nation. Perhaps a third party can come along. You have people like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. on their Democrat side. You have people like Vivek who are espousing bold ideas that the establishment from both parties don't particularly seem interested and I don't know what that turns into, but I'm living in the world of right now because I don't believe we have 10 years to kick the can down the road with this country. Um, it's not guaranteed we will have a country in 10 years. And I don't believe that's hyperbole. I am a student of history. I pay attention. I'm very observant. And so in the right here and right now, now we're a nation of two parties. I believe the, the opportunity for those within the inner city, I believe it is yours to take. I don't believe anyone is going to hand you an open door of opportunity. I believe you're going to have to take it where you see it. And you are going to have to stand up and you are going to have to become a leader in your community of influence. Wherever you stand, stand and begin to speak Walk across the street and talk to your neighbor. Uh, go into a, go go walk alongside different businesses. Organize your community, not for another handout. Nobody's interested in doing more handouts, right? We're interested in turning our country around in a way that makes sense for all of us. In the inner cities, you have an issue with your schools and the lack of education that your children are getting. And the little education they are getting in is in stupid stuff like there's more than two genders. There is not. There is only two genders, right? So instead of teaching your children reading, writing, arithmetic, civic, they're teaching them dumb stuff, stuff that don't even matter and stuff that's not even rooted in reality. Stand up. Be a part of your of your uh, of your of your school board. Run for school board and demand better for your children. I believe that that is I believe that that is truly the battleground if there is an opportunity to save our next generation. It's parents, wherever you are, getting involved in these school board races, getting involved in the PTAs, becoming a very becoming a thorn in the side of these activist teachers 
and unions uh, who would want to teach your children other than those things that are really going to create opportunities for them. So my advice is the same advice I took for myself when I was clawing my way out of dire poverty off that pig farm is not to look for somebody to save you. Don't look for a man to be your savior. Look around. There's so many opportunities. Right. Figure right. out what it is that you can do and then get engaged in that. All right. Well, now, and I'll leave it with this last question. And I've been asking other political figures and Republicans and things of that nature. You know, everyone at this feels like at this moment in time, everyone has to look at the mirror and see how they want to proceed, right? In reality and in, in, in real life, what can Republicans do better on immigration that we haven't done in the past? Close our borders. Well, that's, not, that's an obvious one. Fight to close our borders. Uh, get someone like Vivek into office who said he would use our military to secure our border because a border wall is not going to suffice alone. Take the battle to the drug cartels in, um, in, in Mexico. If Mexico doesn't want to secure their own borders and don't want to fight against the drug cartels, then America should be prepared to do it as well. Fight against, uh, have a real backbone and spine against China. Uh, China is using the porous borders to flood our nation with fentanyl. So be prepared to do that. And other things, you know, one of the things Vivek talks about a lot is legal immigration as well, because we believe that there is room for legal immigration. And in fact, he includes legal immigration in his conversations about growing our economy. We want smart people from around the world uh, who want to do good things, want opportunities. We want a merit-based immigration system where we get the best, the brightest, and the strongest to come into our country and to make America even stronger. And so immigration, legal immigration, immigration system based on meritocracy, not just a lottery just because you're here, as well as along alongside a secure border using not just a border wall, but also our military to secure it. It's a full conversation. In Chicago, there has been a hundred and $3 million spent this year alone from January 1st to July 1st on immigration shelter, outreach, and food. What could that money have done, say, for the 50 wards in Chicago? I believe there's a new progressive monarchy forming. It puts strangers over the needs of its citizens, and it takes the fruits of your labor to provide for their new constituents. Perhaps that is why most of the Latino communities had their property taxes raised upwards of 100% in some areas, all while raising every tax they could to provide for their new constituents. Reports also have it that progressive monarchs across this country are petitioning to have non-citizens vote in local elections. Does it surprise you now that they're spending so much of our money to invest in them? Let's just presume that refugees that do come here into Chicago and that the money stops. Everyone gets a hold of themselves and says, we can't spend this much money. The neighborhoods that they would likely filter to, like Pilsen, Little Village, or Midway area, have become too pricey for immigrants to rent or buy. The jobs that are available, they might not qualify due to reporting standards just set here in Illinois. And the education in our public schools for them well, we already know how that's gonna turn out. Another thing that never gets brought up is what it actually costs to become a citizen in America. 
the backlog of cases, countless hours and money that has to be spent. So what's the benefit of becoming a citizen for those people if you can make money using your ITIN, send it home and move back? I think the whole system needs it to, to be reformed and revamped. And Republicans have a great opportunity to do that. If they could coalesce and build coalitions to change laws on refugee status, laws on immigration time, laws on immigration cases, we could filter this in much, much better to a point where we're not running on job shortages. Because this country was built on immigrant labor in addition to slave labor. It wasn't just built with one or the other. It was built with both. And as immigrants came here from Europe, Africa, South America, they have been put into the system, worked hard, had families, grew legacies, and created what you know is now the American dream. But that also means putting America first and making sure that we can provide those dreams. 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 dreams.